Welcome, episode 55, Joshi 2010's Journey Continues, here via the Red Leaf Retrocast, Retrocast, Patreon, patreon.com slash Retrocast. We're continuing on here in 2012, we're about halfway through here, and I would feel that coming off of what 2010 and the, yeah, I'll say momentum of sorts of 2011... The beginning of 2012 here has not been the best. It is it has definitely felt like we're taking a couple steps back in a lot of ways. I mentioned in the previous episode going over uh, Ayumi Kurihara, which by the time you're listening to this, maybe it's maybe you've listened to on the free feed via the AJW Destiny uh, podcast, or maybe if you're signed up to the Patreon, you are uh, all caught up. You're listening to this in real time, where Ayumi Kurihara is kind of a product of the scene essentially failing to push people. Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna have an example of uh, freelancer hell, as I'll call it, on this show here on this Ice Ribbon show. And Ice Ribbon's kind of usually not the company that I like to uh, well pick on of sorts. Uh, they have uh, much different issues to tackle in 2012. We're going to touch on a number of different aspects of what's kind of going on in the scene right now, and uh, among other things. So Ice Ribbon now in 2012 has brought us to their sixth anniversary, Rising and Ice Army, uh, which is taking place at Kitazawa Town Hall. So my understanding is Kitazawa Town Hall is right in the stomping grounds of kind of where they where they originated. Uh, it gets about, I would say, four to five hundred people there. It's it's almost like a Shinjuku face type place uh, that would be interesting to see what a modern ice ribbon or another company could do uh, in this area if they want to, I don't know, <laughs> change up the venues every now and again out of the Shinkiba first ring, out of the Iribashi green halls, out of the Shinjuku face, get some new locations. Because that's kind of what Ice Ribbon is uh, kind of priding themselves on right now, is going to these areas and regions uh, outside this, like, Cork and Hall-esque Tokyo area. Uh, Why we're going for this is we're still following the journey of Hikaru Shida as champion. And I did mention in the previous episode that there just aren't a lot of titles, like big singles titles in the scene right now that get defended more than once a year. It's kind of Nanai Takahashi in stardom, Yuzika, Yuzuki Aikawa in stardom, Hikaru Shida in Ice Ribbon, and uh, currently JWP Openweight Champion uh, Kaiko Hariyama, which uh, just finished the transitional reign of Subasa Kuragaki. Uh, different sort of feelings on that one, but JWP will will we'll come back to that in an episode or two. We're focusing on Ice Ribbon. What's kind of going around the promotion and the wrestlers? <clears throat> so yes, this is Redley Fretricast Patreon. Thank you all for joining. This is AJW Destiny. If you are there, consider subscribing. Get access for the for the use of ease into the Joshi Drive, where you can easily find a lot of these shows. Uh, that uh, use the money to purchase via a variety of means. Uh, the big purchase that was used was getting Catch the Wave 2012. It's like this eight DVD set I had to get from Japan. It was a big endeavor. 
So thank you everyone for uh, subscribing and helping out with that. Uh, that's going to be that. <laughs> I would say that would be a uh, two episode show, and I might do that. I might even do three. Who who the hell knows? Uh, but that will be covered, and that will be an episode I'm very excited to do. And we're almost there. We're almost there. So ice ribbon, we come. To Hikaru Shida defending the title against Maki Narumiya. Here on June 17th, 2012, Kitazawa Town Hall. 249 people at this show for a sixth anniversary. Probably want to see more there, but we're kind of cutting we're cutting Ice Ribbon some slack a couple times uh, for what they are basically battling here throughout the year after the Emi Sakura Exodus, and there's still more to come. As soon as Emi Sakura gets her gets her uh, feet back on the ground and wanting to do another small endeavor, and that's when a lot of contracts are going to come up with the rest of her crew that want to follow her in whatever she's doing. Uh, that's Riho, that's uh, uh, Sayako Bahiro, and a few others. <clears throat> but many do stay, and we're kind of seeing the relative push of the people that are going to stay and have longer contracts. You can you can definitely tell who, what, and where. <laughs> as we go through the card here. Uh, last we left off, Hikaru Shida uh, has defended the title a couple other times uh, to varying results. Uh, the main one that we talked about was kind of the Aoi Kizuki uh, defense and what that means for her career, and we're going to talk about her some more. Kizuki is definitely one of the highlights of the promotion. It's it's between her and Maki Narumiya. Aoi Kizuki and Maki Narumiya are your top two people you want to push into the future, and it's it's very easy to see why. Did they do a good job, and is Hikaru Shida the struggling champion trying to get, well, credibility and trying, trying to get, uh, I would say, more support around her and to help Ice Ribbon? Uh, she has her work cut out for her. She is all over these shows. She is the absolute focus while... In, in the mid and undercard, you have Sukasa Fujimoto and Sakushi, the Dropkickers tag team, uh, kind of holding out uh, various feuds and uh, rivalries below deck. So Hikaru Shida, she's got the mic on all these dojo shows. She's cutting promos. She's uh, dropping falls to build up title matches to varying degrees of people. Uh, and that's what led us here to this Maki and Rumi match in the main event. Uh, also on this card are the Dropkickers. Dropkickers are going for the tag titles uh, yet again after Kizuki and Obihiro uh, just recently won them. Uh, do I have the tag titles up? Yes, I do. I have the history here. So just a quick recap as I pull up the cage match here. Um, what we're dealing with is... Reminder that the tag titles were in a lot of weird states in 2011 with the Emi Sakura. Uh, it was vacated twice, uh, <laughs> a third time essentially, uh, with Emi Sakura and Tsukushi winning. Shida and Narumiya won them, only had it for about 40 days. Dropkickers won them three months, and then Obihiro and Kizuki won them uh, at the last show we covered on May 5th. This is essentially the rematch here on this card. That's kind of our 
big crux of the build. Uh, let's see, reminding. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll go over a little reminder of of history if we have some some build in some of these matches as we go on. So yeah, two forty two hundred forty nine people there, a below deck crowd. I would say for uh, a main title match and your tag titles on the line, but they have a lot of work to do to build these tag titles up back to a respectable uh, uh, point because there was a lot of damage done in 2011. Let's see if they do that here on the show. Our opener is Cherry, <laughs> the undercard extraordinaire throughout the scene, taking on the story underdog of Ice Ribbon right now, Miri Naito. Uh, six minutes, 19 seconds, uh, it went. The shtick here continues to be Mary Naito trying to get some sort of respect and to get a win of some kind uh, for herself. She's got a lot of underdog crowd support. Think of this as like the Waka Tsukiyama of Ice Ribbon currently. Very, very wacky sort of gimmick. Always, lo- always the lovable loser. She's against Cherry here in the opener, so you think, ah, maybe she's got a shot. Uh, they do a... Cute little gimmick where Naito has taken Cherry's gear, at least uh, some of it, and she's flaunting around. Cherry's very upset that she looks possibly better than her in it, is my interpretation of what went down. And they have a match. Uh, Naito is still very rough in the ring, but that's kind of the, I guess, gimmick that they're leaning into. And Cherry, you know, six minutes, gets her work in, does a good enough job. Uh, Naito still looking for that big dub. Uh, the thing about Cherry is these are the roles she needs to be in throughout the scene. And yes, I am comparing it to the modern era here in 2022-2023 is you're never going to push her. She shouldn't be pushed. She's now in her 40s, approaching her 50s, I believe. Let's see, how old is Cherry exactly? Cherry is 48, okay? <laughs> so she's she's uh, she's hanging in there, and if you... Look, she's she would she's great to go up against rookies, get them nice little ring time. You can throw her in a light, like nice little mid card tag match, and she can drop falls. That's a good role for her. What isn't a good role is having this perennial undercard talent that never wins anything bid, nor should she, beating your talent that you eventually want pushed. You don't want that. And there's too there's too much of the scene falling into that trap of oh she's a veteran. Let's get her over. That's credibility. The problem is Cherry has no credibility. There is none there. Uh, in 2012, at this point in time, with a person like Mary Naito, this is this is the exception to that rule. Cherry can beat a Mary Naito, whom isn't a very good wrestler, whose whole shtick is the loser. That is a difference. Tag team match, Hikari Minami and Riho defeating Dorami, Nagano, and Kurumi, seven and a half minutes. This was a rough time. And this is an example of, there was a recent uh, post, an interview from Maki Ito here in 2023, where she expressed the importance of image in professional wrestling. You know, you gotta, you gotta get the good costume, the good gear. You gotta get the good hair, good hairstyle. You gotta take care of yourself. You got to look like you're a, a someone who belongs in the ring. And there's two children in here, so I'll go easy on them. But then you got Dorami Nagano and the former champion Hikari Minami. They look very broke, very not kept up well, and 
very much a representation of why a lot of people at the time didn't really treat Ice Ribbon with a, ton, a whole ton of respect. You know, it's it's things like this. It's not the children aspect of, you know, doing a recreation of sorts. Although Karumi's gear has a lot to be desired, and she continued this trend throughout her career. Riho still has very much a Tutu-esque gimmick gear to her, which is fine. She's like freaking 12 out there. But Hikaru Minami, former champion, you know, tight shorts and just a like a Apple-esque sport top. Just and and a very basic high school cut. I know there's a lot of strict regulations in Japan when it comes to hairstyles and whatnot, but you know, growing it out and just doing the simple things does make a lot of difference. And it and it brings more respect to image of the promotion you're in as well, as long as you, as well as yourself. That's all I could think about during this match. It was very sloppy, very rough going. Hikaru Minami still looks like she's going to Sid Vicious her knee uh, or or leg at any moment with the constant jumping she does and landing on one foot. Uh, but they get the win. Nonetheless. So we move on. And here is a big example of doing the wrong thing in one way or another. So... They build up a story between Hamako Hoshi and Hiroya Matsumoto. Hiroya Matsumoto, she's coming off some some good things in Oz Academy, at least what she can do. She came off that excellent main event between her and Anai Takahashi in which Hiroya got over big in Corken Hall. Uh, you would think, oh man, this woman is on the precipice of kind of breaking out into the main event. Okay, now's the time. So I'm watching this going, the story is Ham wants a challenge. Ham wants Hiroyo. They build it up on the dojo. Ham wants to prove herself. Okay. All well and good. Simple story. Well told. How do they execute it? So the match goes nine minutes. Ham does a couple things well here. There is a sequence or two in which she does get a good near fall, hits a good lariat, uh, spins out of a torture rack-esque uh, maneuver into a good pin. That's all well and good. The majority of the match was very much a mess of Hamako Hoshi uh, in her very poor-ridden gear. It does not do her any favors. She has the she has very little crowd support, and this is this is this is another topic with someone in the realm of Hamako Hoshi. If your promotion's barely drawing two hundred people, and the best, if the best excuse or reason that you got to push someone like Ham is, oh, well, the crowd likes her. Well, they're the only crowd showing up. Sure seemed like Hiroyo Matsumoto had the higher potential to get more of the crowd in. This type of crowd isn't going to be upset <laughs> and never come to a show again if, if Hiroyo is the one that wins and gets the big push, okay? She has, she's the one developing the credibility, and this match kind of confirmed that. Hiroyo wins over Hamako Hoshi here. Just a simple little uh, backbreaker into a gut buster, and then pins her 1-2-3 relatively easy. There was a, like I said, there's a couple good near falls in there for Hamako Hoshi. You don't really get the feeling that she's going to be the main event or main eventer, but Hiroyo, you see her, you look at her, you see her wrestling, she's getting better and better. Uh, she's the one, right? That's your big vibe coming out of this match. Ham, you tried. Not your time yet. Hiroyo, can't wait to see what's what's uh, in store for her future in Ice Ribbon. Okay? 
Still nothing one out of three yet. We got our Ice Ribbon tag title match, not the semi-main. It's third from the top. It's it's uh, Aokizuki and Obihiro defending the titles against the dropkickers, Tsukasa Fujimoto and Sakushi. And Fujimoto comes out with, like, three titles. She comes out with the 19 o'clock title, the whole 19-minute gimmick uh, on YouTube they were running at uh, at the time for Ice Ribbon. Little little goofy title trying to advertise. Uh, she's got the DDT heavy metal weight title, the goofy comedy thing. And then she also has the Reina tag titles. And this is where I'll talk about the Re- what's going on with Reina currently. So Reina was a promotion that spurred out of this like Lucha-esque uh, cross deal. And what's happened is uh, they're, they've just got their one-year anniversary. Okay, they just happened to have it on May 13th at Corican. A uh, very poor attendance, even though it was headlined by a Yumiko, Yumiko Hota hair versus hair match against La, La Commandant. Okay, there was also a Mexican national women's title two out of three fall match. Lady Apache loses to Princess Blanca. Kyoko went away and saw Ri in the semi-main against Ao Ish- Ishibashi and Mia Yim. So Mia Yim and a number of other kind of developing shimmer talents are coming over to Reina specifically and going up against, uh, along with various CMLL-type talents, okay? Well, <laughs> what happens is Yumika Hota, uh, and and I was able to find a blog that was kind of covering what's going on with Reina, and it seems the presiding speculation and theory is it's very difficult to book Yumiko Hota right now. They made her champion out of the gate. They want to. They want her to put someone over, such as Shuri is the prime candidate, but she's not ready. Is 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 the reasoning? Shuri isn't ready to be put over. She hasn't paid her dues yet, so to say. And also, Yumiko Hota isn't willing to do jobs. It has to take a very specific match in person for Hota to to get booked for Reina, even though they made her champion. And CMLL isn't willing to just let anybody get pinned by this essential part-timer from the 90s, 80s and 90s. So they won't do masks match matches, but they will do a hair match, not for the title. Because if it was for the title, then it, there's a different sort of stipulation to it. So there's a lot of politicking going on here within Reina, uh, along with Kyoko Inoue, Mima Shimoda, all these all these people from that era that will constantly be booked for this promotion, but not willing to do business, so to say. So the CMLL people keep coming in, and they're either beating each other, or they're against a lot of the younger end talent, such as... Uh, Ray is a prime example right now. She's she's more or less doing freelance duties through pr- promotions like Wrestling New Classic. Reina here, among others. Uh, she's the one kind of taking a lot of the beatings. And if we go to the very next month, which is where Reina has their more or less official go at it as a promotion. Like it's it's now going forth where they go to Shinjuku face, they get 280. And they do a tag tournament. Why is this relevant to Ice Ribbon? Well, 
Hikaru Shida and Tsukasa Fujimoto of Ice Ribbon are in this tournament, and they go on to defeat Princessa Blanca and, and uh, Princess Suye in the semifinals, and then again they win in the finals in the main event against Aki Ka- Kambayashi and Mia Yim. Uh, and does Aki uh, Kabayashi maybe per uh, maybe rings a bell? Well, it should. She is Miss Mongol from FMW. There you go. So they win these tag titles. A little eight minute match. Uh, Mia Yim pulls triple duty <laughs> essentially. Uh, and then they have a bunch of random indie talent scattered throughout. So Reyna is struggling through really trying to get their feet off the ground. But Hikaru Shida and Tsukasa Fujimoto uh, come in as much cheaper talents. They're starting to, to develop some sort of reputation in the scene that's growing. And Reyna is using these types of people to try to go in a different direction currently. So Shida and Fujimoto, Reina tag champions, along with their various other golds and ice ribbon and whatnot. So Fujimoto and Sakushi have a pretty good match that's like 60% good and then 40%, oh my god, this isn't going so well. Saiko Bihiro is still sporting the Speedo swimsuit and Aokiziki. Little better gear than, than usual, but she's still got like a half top, uh, pants cut in half kind of deal. But Sakushi is the one that spent the time. It looks like she sewed the clothes herself and got like a stained glass look. And so she's really standing out from the crowd, even though she's like. Th- so, yeah, Fujimoto and Sakushi are definitely uh, uh, the, the ones to keep an eye out. And they're really building a lot around Shida, Sakushi and Fujimoto and, and rightfully so. Uh, but they're also trying to build up. Aokizuki as something special. And this match was a was a great example of Aokizuki against both dropkickers and really taking it to both of them. She was in this match 80% of the time, right into the finish with Saiko Bihiro, really getting blown up and exhausted and really coming down to Fujimoto and Tsukushi, overwhelming her. Uh, they tried a few... Near falls, but there ended up being a total breakdown in many, many occasions of people trying to drop kick. Everyone's short and out of position. Uh, they're having to repeat moves at the end. It, it just became a mess. Uh, 18 minutes and 20 seconds was too long for them and what they were capable of doing at this point in time. Do you need to do matches like this every now and again to get get them used to time clocks and calling? Sure, you could do that, but. On a show that you're really trying to impress a new audience or impress someone that's coming to a sixth anniversary show, maybe not the best spot in the world, but hey, you got time to fill, right? Uh, Fujimoto and Tsukushi win these tag titles back, and more on that later. So, short little rivalry here over the last month and a half, and we move on to a match that was really, really bad. It's the Triangle Ribbon title, always defended in three ways. It's Neko Nita, your champion, against Miyako Matsumoto and Aki Shizuku. Aki Shizuku, kind of a perennial uh, indie, I don't want to say jobber, but she has her role. Miyako Matsumoto is doing her own freelance thing right now. 
But because she's close with Fujimoto and Shida, and the overall kind of company standing, she has her fans, and they 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 tend to keep going with her for roles like this. The problem is, she's no good. Popularity and actual skill should not be confused, right? There's a difference between a comedy prelim act getting over and doing well in that spot and then the idea to push them. Uh, If there's one old school train of thought that it's not even a matter of opinion, it is a matter of tangible evidence of drawing power and making money, funny, don't make money. And there isn't just one one guy that goes by initials of JC that says that. It, there, there is a lot of people that that amounts to. And, you know, you can point to Orange Cassidy as kind of an exception to the rule. But here's the thing. He has his funny, but when it's time to make money, that's dropped. And that's for good reason. So you gotta, you really have to pump the brakes when it comes time to positioning things like this. And for this type of match where it was so much comedy and so much low-end wrestling and very low rent on top of it, to be your semi-main on the 6th anniversary show, it's not a good look. Uh, there, It's too much shtick and not enough. It's not enough to get people invested in the larger point to things. You'd run a match like this second from the bottom after Cherry Mary Naito? Go for it. No problem with that. But you're sending the wrong message when this is your semi-main and Nekonita is the one to do a double pin goofy little roll-up deal that convolutely pins multiple people with their legs tied together. It doesn't it doesn't work this it doesn't work for the long term. And in fact it, it sort of damages your company. And you see a lot of examples of this, not just in Ice Ribbon, but throughout a lot of wrestling scenes where you can't you you can't be highlighting the wrong thing to give off the wrong impression because it does do damage. <clears throat> and then we got our main event. I already spoke about the build to this. Maki Narumiya has done extremely well in getting heated up for this moment. You do wish uh, you would like to see some wins from her. Uh, heading into this, and she did get a fall over Sheeta uh, on the road to this this uh, this title match. So, not much to complain about with what Maki Narumiya has been able to do, and she definitely has the highest ceiling that you can see right now in Ice Ribbon from the homegrown signed talent. And Sheeta, she's she's here to she's here to do business, right? She's got her two titles. She stares at Narumiya, who can't, comes out with a with a unique costume. She's got a little fan with her. And she just stares bullet holes through her. And Arumia stares at her back. And then they kind of go up to each other and go to a little brawl. A good title match. Little start here. And Sheeta just wants to show off that she is indeed the best in this promotion right now. And they go out there and have a match that they worked so, so, oh, so hard for. They got me to a two out of three here. It's I wouldn't say skill level wise they were quite at that that two out of three level certainly not even close to touching three out of three in the recommendation. However, they put in so much effort into all the work that they were doing that I ended up buying in, which is a rare case because usually I'm that dork that goes bell to bell. I want to see some higher end wrestling. Well, 
Ice Ribbon certainly in 2012 doesn't really have a lot of talent to do that. For them to get to that point where they're doing where Maki Narumiya is going through varying degrees of of uh, backslides and roll-ups and Sheeta's hitting her running knee strikes. It had that energy and fierceness to it, much like a Hikaru Shida Shuri match that I really enjoyed. You show me the effort level and I will get invested. And that's what I got here. Uh, shit, there was even a moment where Narumiya gets uh, Shida in the torture rack and does a sort of flapjack burning hammer on the apron. Uh, they were doing some crazy difficult spots that were pro- probably above their pay grade. But this is the difference between wanting to make a match memorable and good and really putting that work in than just locking in the holds and slowing down and having a grapple boring type match that, you know, it's at your level. Uh, it's it's I, I'm, ve- I'm very much of the mind that you want to try new things and if they don't work, that's okay. Try and get back to it. And do your best and you learn from those experiences. You can't learn from experience if you don't attempt the experience part. Right? There's a reason why Manami Toyota tried all these wacky moves. And if one didn't work out like her straight jacket Alabama slam deal, you just don't do it again. <laughs> you try it your best the first time. And if you're convinced that it wasn't worth trying the second time, then no problem. <laughs> And yeah, this was a very solid, solid effort. Uh, Sheeta wins with uh, a hell. Of, I really like this finish. So they run out of their big time moves, like Narumiya does the uh, the the jumping leg drop. She does the leg drop off the top into a like a lariat. Uh, then they they both attempt uh, different degrees of hurricane ranas into pins. And on the second Narumiya one, where she gets that off. Sheeta kind of kicks out at one, rolls through, gets on the ropes, and then blasts her with a running knee strike to pin her one, two, three. Very good quick sequence ending that got me uh, very invested. 16 minutes, 34 seconds. This was about right. Uh, maybe you can shave a couple couple few minutes off uh, for something to get more representative of their skill level. Uh, but that's okay. That's, that's, a mi- that's, that's a minor complaint in the large scheme of things. So Sheeta wins... Uh, and I like seeing Maki Narumiya get this chance. You get to see what her level's at. It was the same thing without Kiziki. Uh, these two these two defenses are among my favorites of the year, even though I wouldn't put them above, say, what I've seen out of Nanai Takahashi and even Yuzuki Aikawa at this point in the year. Uh, certainly not seeing anything out of Oz Academy in that title, and uh, it, the jury's still out on what Kaiko Hariyama is going to be able to do with the JWP Openweight title. So, a couple good defenses here from Shuri, or uh, from Shuri, from Sheeta. And she gets on that mic. She's cutting a promo. And who should come out for the next challenge? It is not Hiroyo Matsumoto. Well, then who could it be? Well, it was Hamako Hoshi is your next challenger, coming off a definitive loss to Hiroyo Matsumoto earlier in the show. Now, crowd was a little shocked as was myself. And Ham essentially cuts a comedic promo challenging for the title. She puts her hair down. She flips it up. She walks out. And she does kind of beflummoxed over what has occurred. And she's like, all right, I'll take on any challenger. And they're going to do this match in Sapporo. Okay. And if you want a, uh, if you want a little history year over year, 
Sapporo hasn't really been run outside of their YouTube shows or online shows uh, for two years at this point. Eh, probably, well, yeah, two years, just about, just under. And that was still with Emi Sakura kind of running things and a little bit more star power to go around with, uh, well, I say star power, but take that with a grain of salt. Um, well, the point is they, they got 304. Uh, for their two years ago show in Sapporo, and that was only with a tag title match and a goofy battle royal. Okay, for the next one, and I will say these results because this this show will not be covered. Uh, third from the top yet again was Miyako Matsumoto and Nekonita going for the tag titles and defeating the Dropkickers. So again, one defense and gone. For the tag titles, the stability thing is still a major issue, and the Dropkickers lose them again to the two comedy characters that were in the semi-main of this one. In the semi-main is an interesting result of Sayaka Obihiro defeating Aokizuki one-on-one. Is Obihiro going to be the next challenger for Shida? Because she defeats Hamako Hoshi in the main event 14 minutes. Can only imagine what that match is like. But this show only drew 206 people with two title matches in a and uh, two other big singles matches. The other one was Yu Yamagata defeating Maki Narumiya. So the two people that you kind of want to highlight and push, they both lost in the show, although one of them did lose to someone within the company to possibly be the next challenger. You're not pushing someone. You want to elevate someone up the card, give them a good win. No problem. That shows the level of seriousness and issues that Ice Ribbon continues to tackle and battle. They're essentially battling themselves. They're their own worst enemy. Having Ham challenge for a title directly after a definitive loss to a stronger opponent. Should have been the other way around. If you know your book in Ham, get her to beat Hiroya Matsumoto. And if Hiroya Matsumoto isn't willing to do the job, don't book her. Book someone else for Ham to beat. You know, you got you got a bunch of other people that you could possibly have her win, and whether if that has to only be to someone on your roster, so be it. You got to do better in heating people up. So that was a bad example, and maybe that's maybe that is the freelance hell that I uh, teased at the start, where Hiroya Matsumoto commands, let's say, a price, or she commands a certain agreement that she'll come in for one shot. But that's all she's willing to do, and therefore she's just not going to come in and, and lose. Well, that's fine, but there has to be some li- some reliability on the booker to recognize that if she's only coming in once, and I want to push this person, don't book that match in particular. You can do other things. Why wasn't... Uh, why, like, is is Cherry going to politic too much where she can't lose to Ham? I know that's not probably the best example of someone high to heat up, but a win's a win. And that does, that does matter eventually in wrestling. So where do we stand with Ice Ribbon going forward, and what does that mean of what we're going to cover uh, for the rest of the year? Well, we're not really going to come back to Ice Ribbon until September of this year in which it is the signing of Mio Shirai, the end of Triple Tales, as we know it, essentially. Essentially, more or less. 
But Mio Shirai is going to sign with this company, much like her sister Io Shirai signed with Stardom. That leaves Kana kind of out in the open to do whatever she needs to do solo and not relying on uh, protection of the Shirai sisters. There is something to be said about that. And really an overratedness of what Triple Tails exactly was uh, in the scene at the time. It, it was it was a product of survival for each other until they were able to secure a paycheck of sorts uh, going forward. So that's what we're looking at uh, there. And uh, for our next episode, it's going to be the JWP Pure Mountain Series, a little tour in which we got two title matches. We're going to the Cinema Club. And we got Kawasaki. So that's going to be exciting. That's going to get us uh, set up for uh, the J-Ribbon Show, which is a joint Ice Ribbon JWP show that happens in... And our build towards Pure Slam 2012 for JWP. So some, some things in the work between JWP and Ice Ribbon at this point in time. Uh, we got to talk some Reina. We got to talk some Sheeta title reign. We got to talk some booking. got to talk some uh, poor uh, uh, examples of heating someone up or lack thereof. I say we we accomplished a lot on this particular episode through the journey. Remember, guys, if you're listening for free, consider signing up with the Patreon, patreon.com slash redleafretrocast. Help support this show. Help support the show going forward and getting these DVDs and joining up with the Google Drive so you guys can follow along, and learn, learn along, and get that context of retrospective with me. See you next time, everybody.